Hello, everyone, and welcome to this very special edition of Lawrence Talks Podcast. I'm your host, David Tamez, and today I'm going one-on-one with City Commission candidate Courtney Shipley. Courtney, thank you for joining me today. Thank you for having me. Now, before we begin, I would like to remind those listening uh, that you can find this podcast on our website, lawrencetalks.org, as well as Apple, Apple iTunes and Spotify. And one reminder, uh, and I'll probably say this again, November 5th is the official election uh, or vote date, but you can vote now. You can vote in advance right now. If you just want to go to the courthouse and vote, you can vote. Right. And when's the deadline for the... For the mail-in ballots? Yes. Uh, you can actually mail in your mail-in ballot the day of the election. And oh, wow. They'll have to wait a few days to make sure they get all of those in. Oh, wow. Okay. So we... That's not ideal for us. Right. But yeah. uh, that's certainly you're right. Yeah. You as wanna, far as I understand it. You want to find out as soon as possible. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So all that... Remember uh, to vote uh, special duty of, uh, as, as citizens that we have to our city uh, to participate in these in these elections. Uh, more so, I would think, uh, in my in my view, than national elections. I think local elections are uh, e- either just as important or maybe ju- more important than uh, the national side, um, depending on the situation, of course. Uh, well, let's begin. And we'll begin with this question, a general question about uh, your experience uh, and how you uh, would like to bring that experience to bear on your job as city commissioner. So I started about four years ago just going to city commission every week for fun as a mom's night out. They are fun. Yeah, they are fun. Um, And... It's true you can watch them at home streaming, and I don't know that a lot of people know that, but if it were me, I would tell everyone, Tuesday night, you should stay home in your jammies eating popcorn and (laughs) listening to City Commission, because it's really strangely important things happening there that affect you directly, and you don't, you know, most people don't really know anything about it. Right. Uh, But going there is also very interesting, because what the camera doesn't show you on YouTube is the people in the room... The interactions between staff and commissioners, the interaction between the commissioners and the public, the interaction between the public and the staff, there are relationships being formed at those meetings that you can't see at home because the camera can't catch it all. Right. And, you know, just in terms of, you know, seeing someone give up their three-minute comments about Airbnbs. Well, that person's going to leave, and you can stop in the lobby and ask them a little bit more about what their thoughts are. That's a pretty valuable community, (laughs) Uh, you know, a chance to talk to someone in the community and get more, because they just get their three minutes, and um, they've certainly got more to say than that. So to me, it's it's always been valuable to go physically. Um, And then you get sucked in. Like, okay, so you go one week, you maybe you're there for a roundabout, and then you see something about stormwater, and you're like, ooh, I want to come back next week and see what happened <laughs> with stormwater. It yeah. is soap operatic in a way, uh, but it's also really important infrastructure things that affect your actual house, your actual life, the street in front of your house. Um, and so that's kind of how I got into this. And then I sort of started getting onto city boards. Um, Transient guest tax was the first one I got on. Uh, Board of Zoning Appeals. These are things people don't know a whole lot about. Yeah. But transient guest tax brings you um, 
the Busker Festival is, is one of the partners in the Busker mm. Festival. They have been one of the partners in uh, Free State Festival. Um, and some of the Watkins um, things that they uh, put on during um, Quantrill's Raid and stuff like that. So there's a lot of things that these little advisory boards, and I think there's 45 of them now, um, that they do, that you get to participate in that affect you. And it's, I think it's really important for people to understand um, those possibilities. Yeah, and, it, it, you, uh, and what's that process like in becoming or getting on one of the boards? I know that online you can choose, you can choose through a myriad of, of boards to sit on. Yeah. And then you submit your application or you submit your, uh, your, uh, your application. And what are they looking for? Um, I imagine, well, a couple things, any kind of experience with whatever that board is, unless it's like an at-large position. And then they're also looking for, uh, underrepresented people. Um, a lot of these boards are very short on women Mm. and very short on, um, I don't like the word minorities, but, um, Hispanic people, African-American people, indigenous people. Very few of those people are represented on these boards. So they're definitely looking for more people to be engaged um, from those populations. Okay. Um, and if I, would, I will say this. If you fill that out, also email the mayor a separate email and say, hey, I've applied for this. So just for some reason, if she doesn't get the application, she'll know to go look special for it. Yeah, that's good to know um, um, personally because I think my wife and I are looking to... You absolutely should. Yeah. That would be... Yeah. That's that's for another matter. Uh, <laughs> uh, and you, I think you, uh, I've read you have sat on uh, a neighborhood board. Yeah, I'm the chair of Lawrence Association of Neighborhoods. Okay, and what, what's uh, what's that been like? Oh, it's really great. Uh, you learn a lot about policy, and um, what it is is all of the little neighborhoods get together once a month, and they talk about some of the things that city's doing, usually uh, with respect to planning. Um, and then they can kind of compare notes on how to communicate with the city, how to get what they want out of the city, um, and help each other organize, um, which is very valuable. Um, and uh, in the past, something that was very, uh, that was accomplished, that was pushed very hard by that association far before I got there, um, for example, was, um, the rental inspection program. Now, they wanted it to be way stronger than it is, mm-hmm. um, but at least they got it through. So now that it's been, I think, more than 10 years, it's time to go back and look at that and see what kind of improvements we can make. So those are things that the neighborhoods that are organized can pool their resources and their activism and and direct the city to do something that they want. Yeah, and... Uh it seem, being the chair, that seems to put you in a, a very good uh, position to keep a pulse of, of what's going on in the city and what what issues people have on uh, that they need to be uh, addressed by by the city. Right. Um, is there any any part of that uh, of that job or that position that requires consensus building? Oh yeah. <laughs> um, there may be, for example, they might, you know, someone might want you to take a position on something and and maybe not every neighborhood agrees with you. Um, or you may take a position on something 
And over time, the neighborhoods changed their minds. Um, uh, and then, I mean, either you're going to write your letter and start advocating or you're not based really on whether you can convince them to come to some kind of agreement. Um, usually it's not that hard with the neighborhoods, but it certainly can be. Yeah. <laughs> there can be things that are oppositional from one side of town to another side of town. And there seems to be, uh, at least from from what I can gather, there's time that you can spend trying to convince people. Um, how much of time? How much time do you think you will have, or uh, do you think you can you'll have as city commissioner to convince your fellow commissioners? I think what I would like to see is a little more of that dialogue because mm-hmm. it seems like right now, you know, for the four years I've been watching them, and not always. Don't get me wrong. There's been uh, situations where they had great consensus or they had great conversation, but it feels like a lot of the time they all come in with an idea. They already maybe have their mind made up. Mm. And very infrequently does it seem like some new piece of information comes out of your three-minute public comment that really changes the dialogue because they've already made up their mind. And so what the other thing I see is even more disturbing. They're sitting right next to each other. They're making their statement. You could talk to that commissioner later and say, well, commissioner so-and-so said this, and they'll be like, I don't remember them saying that. He's sitting right next to you. Yeah. It's on video. I can show it to you. He really said that. Yeah. So they're not even listening to each other as they're sitting next to each other. So that's something I'd like to see a lot of improvement on with the three new people is um, actually engaging each other and not um, grandstanding yeah. or... Um, you know, maybe ask, some of them do ask really great, tough questions, but then the others just won't answer the question. They'll just kind of let it fly by. Um, so I'd like to see a little bit more interaction there, a little more dialogue there. Yeah. Yeah. Cause it, it, it seems odd that, uh, at least on my end, um, that that's all what you see on video or even in person when they're deliberating, is that the only time that they get to do that? Yeah. So this is important for people to understand. Two city commissioners could speak about um, any particular item. Um, The mayor and vice mayor could personally talk about potholes, whatever is coming up on the next agenda. Um, They can't speak to the other commissioners about that. That would be serial communication, which is not allowed. So that's why they take so much care and not being in the same place at the same time because they could be accused of having um, meetings that aren't um, recorded. So there, I, I actually appreciate that about uh, this commission because, um, of course, at the state level, they're not always that concerned about things like that. Um, but um, one commissioner told me, if I even see another commissioner in the grocery store, <laughs> I will scuttle away because I don't wow. even want to have that hanging over me. I don't even want anyone to question it. So at the end of the meetings, you might notice they have uh, commissioner items, and then they have the calendar. And you'll Mm. see them all deciding which two are going to be allowed to go to any event. Um, Because really, they don't want to be questioned about that. Wow. Yeah. No, I mean, it's it's understandable. (laughs) So really, in truth, in all likelihood, that is the only time they're going to have that discussion together. There may be two of them that discussed it, 
or two pairs of them that discussed it together. Yeah. But the only time that all five of them are going to actually be able to talk to each other hmm. and work it out. Yeah. That's why they have study sessions. So that, that gives them a little more time to have that dialogue, think about it a little while, and then come back to it at another meeting. Yeah. So I, li- I like that idea. Um, because it seems odd to me, well, depending on the sort of decision that they have to make, that that's really the only time that they have to, to deliberate with, at least with each other Mm -hmm. and try to convince each other of a position. Cause like you said, uh, in that short period of time, someone can just ignore what the others are saying and just go with what they came in hoping to say or do, um, yeah, that's it. hopefully that does change. I would, I would, I'm all for that changing. One thing I think that will help with that, and several of us that are running have talked about this, is the meetings are very long lately mm-hmm. since they changed them. So they used to meet every week. They cut off one weekend, and I think some of us are thinking, especially now that they're getting paid, maybe it's okay to add that mm. one week back um, because if you're there till 10:30 at night, are you really making good decisions at 10:30 at night? Are you really listening or? Is everyone there trying to get out of there? And one thing that really bothers me when I see people coming to advocate for something, there's five items on the agenda. People can't wait till 1030 at night. Hmm. They're regular people. They need to go home and go to bed and feed their kids um, to make them wait till 1030 at night to speak on their item. It Most of them leave. And so I can try really hard since I'm sitting in the audience. Can say, please stay, <laughs> please stay and make your point. It's so worth it. Yeah. Um, but if you don't, um, account for the reality of people's lives, you're not going to get the engagement you're trying to get. Right. So that's definitely one of the things that's sort of involved in that because I think sometimes they're just trying to get out. <laughs> yeah. No, I mean, I, I think that's that's a fair point about um, citizen, citizen engagement and participation because I think it's clear that people are willing to show up for the big ticket items, the, the hub decision, the... Um, I think I recently went to the uh, the, com- the meeting regarding um, sanctuary cities, um, and people showed up. A great mm-hmm. deal of people show up for those, but um, it seems important to show up for every single, almost every single, at least pay attention to what's going on in, in all of them, um, and not just for the ones that. Uh, dr- can draw, will typically draw a lot of people. I'll give you an example of a thing that happened that frustrated me. Um, and it was at the uh, the women who were working on the mural on the library. So the big ticket item was the mural. Mm-hmm. And so that brought a lot of people. Later in the agenda, again, this was a lot of people who were talking about the role of minorities in the community, um, people who were ignored for their contributions to the community, a lot of racial tension that was surrounding that discussion. And two items later, there was some kind of unfinished business about the police, um, community policing board, which was pretty new. They were just getting it finished. None of the people that were there for that knew that was on there or stayed to talk about it. Wow. Because they weren't engaged with that item, yeah. even though it's an item that absolutely affects them and they should absolutely know about it. Um, but they were there for that big ticket item. So again, this is also about how you build agendas and how you make sure the public knows what's going to be on it. 
Um, the other thing is things happen on the consent agenda all the time that people don't know about how important it is. Uh, a couple weeks ago on the consent agenda, that's where they um, vote on 10 things all at once, and they just say yes. Um, so rather than looking at each item individually and saying we all agree on this, they just you are trusting that they read everything and they didn't mm. see anything that was troublesome. Okay. Um, staff chose to remove money that was supposed to be spent in the Brook Creek neighborhood, which is a low mod neighborhood, um, relatively low incomes in that area. They chose to remove money that was already supposed to be spent on one of their roads over to West Lawrence. Nobody noticed it. Hmm. It just flew by. And that was a decision that was made by staff and then went through on consent because nobody looked at it. Yeah. Or if they did, they didn't say anything about it. Um, and as you can imagine, actually, those people had already been notified that that road was going to be changed. So how are they going to feel when the road <laughs> never gets fixed? Yeah. They're pretty upset. And it doesn't help that they moved it from a relatively low-income neighborhood to a relatively high-income neighborhood. So those are things that happen all the time that we should really be paying attention to. Um, and that's and some of that, not all of that, can be fixed by looking at the agenda in a different way or forming the agenda in a different way, but some of it can. Um, so I think uh, some of us have talked about that a little bit in these forums, that that's something we should look at a little bit better to increase the engagement from people. Yeah. And, and going back to your, your our previous uh, discussion over deliberations, um, what sort of power do, uh, if, if people were to show up, if, if, pe if people in the city were to show up to, for those type of cases, um, and as we previously noted, that's the only time that, or effectively, that's the really only time that the uh, commissioners have time to deliberate with one another and convince each other. Um, and that might be too short of a time that they can just come in with a particular view in mind and just decide then and there. How much power or influence can the citizen have, even if they do show up uh, at that time, if the commissioners can just sort of go with what they wanted to or came to decide? It's still been my experience that it's a lot of influence. Okay. Um, and that's why continue to believe that people need to show up um, because they it's easy to ignore an email mm -hmm. when there's no face associated with it. Yeah. It's um, it's even I've even learned it's easy to ignore a phone call because they're not looking at you and they're, you're not holding them responsible eye to eye. Um, and and especially when large numbers of people come in and show clear agreement, that's very hard for them to ignore. Um, so, yeah, I absolutely think it's important and I hope more and more people get organized for things like that or stay organized for things like that because it really does make a difference. Okay. Um, one question that I, I'm interested in and I think other people should be interested in too is um, this, pro this broad general question about justice. Um, and as I, as I mentioned, I, I, uh, this is... I'm a philosopher, and this is in part a philosophy podcast. Sure. Um, so I love to talk about things about uh, justice and, and what people think uh, that means. 
And I think it's important for anyone running for office to have a good, clear uh, principle or idea of what they think is the just thing to do in a, in a particular situation. Um, as much as you can, <laughs> if you can, because uh, even, even uh, not even I can't really uh, draw out like what do I think is, is just in every situation or broadly speaking. Um, but I think anyone running for office uh, and even at the local level might have in mind what they uh, think is the best thing to do or the right thing to do, uh, or at least as an approach to doing what they are going to do as a commissioner. Um, so I wonder, yeah, if one of you dis discuss that a little bit. So I think um, at a practical level, um, we need to remember that there's some things that the city doesn't have control over. Mm -hmm. um, so that just, we have to put that out there. Um, there are some things we can do, though. Um, I think the community kind of uh, came together and said, well, we really don't think marijuana possession is something that you should be in jail for or should be paying a lot of fines for, right? So we made um, some policy decisions about that, and I think it had broad support here in the community. That's not just about what we think about marijuana. That's about what we think about um, whether it's just to punish someone <laughs> eternally um, for something that ultimately our entire society is deciding is not um, something to punish someone for. Yeah. Um, we can do those things at the local level. Um, the other thing that we're a lot of... Um, different communities within the community are talking about is restorative justice, which I think is good because I do think there are some things we could do here um, at the local level. Um, you know, some special courts, special drug courts, um, alcohol, you know, diversion for certain kinds of things. As a community, if we've decided we're not sure that the prison system is doing what it's supposed to do, broadly. Mm -hmm. But what can we logically do here to help the people here? Um, those are some things we can do. We can fund that. We can make that choice. Yeah, That's something practical we can do. We can't help that we're in the state of Kansas. Um, we are tied. Uh, our hands are tied by certain things. Um, but I think it's good that we have this dialogue as a town. Very clear to me that we have a different idea of what justice is than maybe the next town 30 miles away. Um, Cause it seems like not all of them are having those conversations. So I think it's okay for us to, to dissect that and figure out what we think justice is, or what do we think community policing is? Do we think that, I don't know, of course, a lot of people, of course we have a law system, but do we have a system of justice is sort of a different yeah. question, right? Yeah. Um, so, you know, at the local level, just to be practical and honest with ourselves about what we can and can't do, um, I think it's good that we're having that dialogue. Um, and, you know, some great idea might come, <laughs> like reducing the fee to $1. Um, probably no one would have come up with that five years ago. Um, 
but it worked. And (laughs) I think it will work um, in terms of showing our value, our values to Topeka, for one thing, telling them, get it together. We're one of the last states that haven't figured this out. Um, And also how much money we could get from it. Boy, we could pay (laughs) for our sidewalks with that money. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, So they're not really thinking long term. And we are. So... I'm not telling you philosophically what I think about justice, but on a practical level as a commissioner, I I can only ask myself what I can actually do um, to show what our values are um, and how we treat people who are clearly in a bad place. Yeah. No, I mean, and that's part of uh, forming our our ideas of justice is like it it has to pertain uh, and have some... Uh, relevance to the particular situations that we're in, uh, even in on, the, on the practical side. Um, and so, and is it as, as much, because um, I think in previous conversations, it seems like you could say part of your job as, as a commissioner is to identify the values and uh, needs of the community and then ad- and address them in some way. As as a commissioner, in in the very in the limited way that you that you can, I think that's what came out in your mm-hmm. in your answer, and you all, you're in your answer. You also preempted uh, another question I had. Oh, sorry. <laughs> yeah, no, no, it's okay. Uh, and it was just that. It's like what what limitations are you aware of uh, as in the city commission? And- yeah, we. This is something, and I know a previous commissioner that's been on one of your cast has mentioned this, is sometimes there's a misunderstanding about where the city and the county and the state responsibilities begin and end, and um, that's just about talking to people about that. Maybe I do agree with you about the jail. There's literally nothing I can do about that except for be a voter and mm-hmm. be um, uh, knowledgeable and and encourage the positive dialogue between the county and the sheriff and the city. But I have no control over what the county does, ultimately. Um, they're going to make their own decisions. Um, and so that's something people don't always understand. They also don't always understand the difference between the Lawrence police and the KU police and the sheriff. Those are different entities. And you may have a traumatic experience but I may quibble with you about whose behavior is perhaps different or whose training might be different. Um, so those are things that you just, that's just part of the dialogue. You know, have to teach people. That's kind of why I wanted to help the um, um, sanctuary city people understand, you know, they have, they know what they want. But they don't always know where the difference between the city mm. and the county yeah. and the sheriff is. Right. And I just wanted to help them parse that out so they don't go in and say, we just want to get rid of ICE. Well, I right. <laughs> maybe I agree with you, but I can't do that. Yeah. What I can say is we can make sure our discrimination uh, rules are strengthened. We can make a decision about whether we do think our police officers should get involved when they're here. We have to make that decision as a community. Or... Well, okay, if some some limited grant funding is threatened by the Trump administration, is that worth it to us? We have to have that discussion as a community. But it doesn't help when you just come and make some broad demand and right. don't understand how the system actually works. 
So that's just all part of the dialogue when you talk to people and explain to them that I don't have any control over the sheriff. Yeah. <laughs> you have yeah. to vote for the right sheriff when the time comes around. Um, so, yeah. And I, I know other people have talked about that, too. Some of it is just about understanding what we actually can do here. Yeah. And I think it uh, that helps both parties, right? It's... Uh, you as a commissioner can't do anything with when people bring broad uh, or uh, yeah broad demands to you and um, and they end up not being able to get what they want because mm-hmm. they're uh, they misidentified just how much the right. the commissions like city commissioner can do yeah, yeah. Uh, and so that really uh, I asked that question in anticipation of of or to lead into another question. And it's one that uh, served as the question for the most recent event that Lawrence Talks had with the Lawrence Library uh, about how to evaluate politicians. Mm -hmm. Um, And to me, my aim in there, uh, or our aim in there, was to bring out these limitations because when when you're evaluating the job of the commissioners, you have to have in mind in mind that they're that they can only do so much. Otherwise, if you think that they can uh, do so do everything, or mm-hmm. uh, if you don't have a clear idea of what they can do, then your evaluations are just going to be yeah. And I've uh, experienced unfair. that very clearly on this campaign, yeah. which I've never uh, run for office before, so I had no experience of. But any one of us can promise you the moon, but you need three of us to agree on anything to make something move forward. Yeah. And um, people don't always understand that. <laughs> Even the candidates don't always seem to understand that. Yeah. Um, and that's also what, and I think a former commissioner sort of mentioned that too, is then it's also hard later to identify any particular accomplishment that you made. Because really, no individual on the commission has the opportunity to just be the one guy that did the one thing. Right. And he can come back four years later when he's running and say, oh, I did that one thing. That oh, No, <laughs> that's not real. Um, there were at least three other people that were helping you do that. And probably it was a staff idea to begin with. And um, there's a confluence of things that build up to that. And it you can say, well, I supported that or I voted for that. Um, but it's very hard to say, well, uh, I'm the I'm the reason we have priority-based budgeting. You can't say that. That's yeah. not true. Yeah. <laughs> we wanted that for years. It just happened to come through when you were sitting there. Yeah. Um, so, that, yeah, that's that's something I, I do kind of wish people understood more when we're out there at these forums. I could promise you anything, but without three other people who are going to be reasonable um, and be good listeners and try to come to some consensus, we're going to be... Um, we're going to get n- not very much accomplished, possibly less than previous, you know, commissions. So we need to think about when we're running, sometimes maybe think about we're running near each other, not against each <laughs> other. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So, um, and then also to say, like, the gentleman that I'm running with, I've worked on a project, one project or another with all of, almost all of them. They're not, these people aren't going to go away. This is a very small town, and uh, whether one of them loses, I know they're still going to show up to affordable housing um, issues. I know 
Uh, one of them's always going to show up when it's about sustainability. We're always going to be working with each other in some capacity because this town's just not as big as you think it is. Yeah. Um, so it's very hard also just to write someone off. Um, you, they are a neighbor, and they're going to keep being a neighbor. Gotcha. And, and with that and with those things in mind, how do you uh, hope people are evalu- evaluating you as a candidate, and then how do, they, how do you hope they evaluate you as a as a commissioner. That's interesting too, because like I said, I've never run before. And it seems to me, um, that running is almost like the opposite skill set of doing the job (laughs) Hmm. because you want a candidate to tell you hard and fast decisions about whatever they believe. And they want you to say yes or no, absolutely know it. But really, you need someone who's going to be contemplative and listen to two sides and be willing to change their mind because some better solution actually might come along. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's very hard to win that way yeah. <laughs> because yeah. especially in our polarized times, even just nationally, but even locally, um, people want to know how you feel about T21. People want to know how you feel about the plastic bag tax. Um there's a lot of data out there. There's a lot of information out there. And I feel like it's my job as a person, as a voter, to be looking at all that and keeping my mind open. And I feel like my role definitely changes when I get up there. I have to have an open mind. I have to be willing to have my mind changed. Um, And I'm not sure voters always understand that. They want you to... I'm the environmental guy. I'm the money guy. I'm the development guy. Well, I'm the person who's in between who (laughs) thinks we can hold talk and work this out. And centrism really isn't that sexy. So um, I, I, I have just tried to be honest and be clear about that. And we'll see what voters think. That's up to them. Um, that's all I can do. Yeah. <laughs> so that I don't know if that's going to work, uh, but that's the only way I could do this. You know, that's yeah. the only way I can do. Because to me, also, once you get up there, you stop being an advocate. So there's lots of things I've advocated for, and it's don't get me wrong. I, I realize I'm always going to have certain biases, but as much as I can, I should always try to leave that envelope for other ideas to get in. Um, I think that's the job. Yeah. And so um, in a way that, that also imparts a demand of, of voters to not just be single issue folks, like even if uh, a particular candidate doesn't fall on the way, uh, the way you want them on a particular issue, mm-hmm. you should also keep in mind where they fall on other issues because there's much more that needs to be taken care of in our in our city and can be just as important or even more important collectively than that one issue that, that you're particularly concerned with. Mm-hmm. Um, and so one uh, final question, as I promised you before <laughs> the interview, um, concerns kind of the hub, but it's, it's not so much about where you would fall on that side. Uh, one, and this sort of gets to, your the comments you just you just made now uh one of the criticisms i think of of uh of those i think who fell in favor uh of having the hub be 
constructed downtown was that the commissioners at that time were uh, influenced heavily by public opinion and by uh, so many people being there. That so they're in saying that they're drawing, uh, they're trying to delegitimize uh, or question that decision. It's like, oh, it, they only did it because they were uh, fearful. Mm-hmm. Um, but that to me, that brings out a general question about uh, how important public opinion is uh, to commissioners um, outside of wanting to be reelected or or something like it because obviously public opinion is important when you want to be reelected uh, when you're thinking about being reelected um, but when it comes to your decision making generally how how important a, of a factor is public opinion do you think public opinion should play in your I think it well it does whether it should or not I have no control over yeah. that or you know I couldn't say I just know that it it absolutely does um, it's naive to think otherwise. Um, certainly the toughest part of this job just in watching them, and of course I can imagine in my head, is wanting to feeling like you need to make a decision that's clearly unpopular. Mm-hmm. That's going to be the worst part, it seems like, <laughs> right? Um, and of course, just my personality is always Let's try to work it out. Can't we meet somewhere in the middle where everybody gets a little bit of what they want? Um, but that's not always possible. And yeah. I'm a grown-up, and I know that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, and so, yeah, that was um, that was a very interesting and I'm sure important um, night for our town, uh, kind of just to touch base with city commission and say, hey, we are watching you. And we do have an expectation from you uh, to defend the rules that we have. Um, and I think that was the, really the mess. Whether you like it or not is sort of neither here nor there. The question is the rules that we have, the, the codes that we have, the uh, guidelines that we have, we have a right to those. We, they were put in place by duly elected people. They were studied. They went through public process. We have a right to observe them. We shouldn't feel bullied by anyone who doesn't like it. So I think that's what the real conversation was about. Yeah. Um, and I think I think that was the message. I maybe the public doesn't know that, but that was the message I got. This was the rule. We like this rule. The guidelines, the downtown guidelines, say this is not appropriate. We agree. Um, now, whether we want to change them in the future or when we start to have the conversation about the downtown master plan, you know, that's a separate conversation that hopefully the community is staying engaged in. I know I'm going to all those meetings. Yeah. Um, uh, so, yeah, there's but there have been other things. I'll give you a good example. Um, plan 2040. There was a section of plan 2040 that um couple very strong interest groups um, did not like, and they fought it tooth and nail, which is absolutely their job as advocates is to to fight it. And um, they did their best. And I could see one commissioner was very much struggling with that, knowing that it might endanger his campaign. And that is hard to do the right 
thing, what you think is the right thing, whether it is or not, it's neither here nor there, what you think is the right thing, um, when you think it might damage you in the long run. And so I mean, I just, I'm an adult and I have to know that that's going to happen. Yeah. And just to be honest with myself about that, that is going to happen. But, you know, also I've, I've also seen something else that's interesting on kind of an up note. Uh, Mayor Amix was on city commission, I think, all told it was like 26 years or something like that, on and off for many years. And he used to do this thing, I noticed. If something was overwhelmingly definitely going to win with the commission. Four of them were definitely going to vote yes for it. Mm -hmm. And there was anyone there that was in opposition. He would be the dissenting guy. In my view, not because he necessarily agreed with it. Just again, I'm just being an observer in this situation. I don't know that this is true, (laughs) but it just seemed like a really genius move on his part. Then he would be the dissenter because then he would be the one person that heard that minority voice. And that's real politics to me. I don't necessarily consider myself a politician in that way. My question would always be, am I, am I doing what I really believe in this moment, um, for the best of everyone? Um, but I do know people do that. I do know that happens. And I think I've seen other commissioners do that too. Um, so I, I think that's when it gets very interesting. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, no, I agree. Just to say, I don't think I'm that person. Yeah. <laughs> I've seen it. It's interesting to watch. I don't know that I can do, can vote a way I don't believe. And and that means that you may not always take uh, yeah. seriously public opinion. I may not. Yeah. I think that's the job, though. Yeah. Um, and it's funny too, cause like when you first come in, I'll, I'll, I'll tell you for sure, like, you know, staff would make an, uh, make a recommendation. Staff makes a recommendation. They've got all the data. They've got all the information. They're experts. They've made this recommendation. And then the commissioners would be like, yeah, we're not doing that. And it would be sort of frustrating for the audience. Like, but you have this expert, you're paying him. He's an expert. He told you what to do. He showed you the data and all the studies. And they were just like, yeah, we're not going to do that, though. <laughs> um, that's part of the relationship um, between staff and the commission. And, I, again, I just think we have to be honest with ourselves about um, what they may or might, may not say yes to and why. Um, sometimes it may make absolutely no sense. And I've seen that, too. I've seen a commissioner just vote for something. Absolutely no reason. Didn't justify it. Wow. Didn't particularly care, upset a lot of people, no explanation. Um, I don't think I'm that kind of person. I feel like I'm always going to have to justify what I do. Um, and I certainly like things where there's data, something that backs right. my decision up. Yeah. Sometimes it's true. Sometimes it's clearly a feeling that people have, right? T21, some of that is just about a feeling of trying to protect children, Show me some data, please, so that I can, <laughs> so that I can join you. Because I, I agree that there's a dangerous situation there for children, but I need to know that what we're doing isn't just performative. Right. No, I think I think that's that's a good point because I, on my side, I, I think at at the very least, uh, folks should expect uh, commissioners to provide good reasons for their decisions. Um, they might disagree with them. They might. Uh, find find them at fault, but at least they have they can't say that they made decisions off a whim or right. 
uh, arbitrarily. Yeah, yeah, there's and there's commissioners that I like that I disagreed with, but they were really honest about why they did it. And then I was like, oh, okay. Yeah. You know. <laughs> Well, you were you were clear with me. You showed me what your logic was, and I can't argue with that. Right. No, that's that's at the least that they the least they should yeah. they should do. Um, well, Courtney, uh, I wanted I wanted to give you the final word. Is there anything you want to end off with? Please vote in local elections. They're incredibly mm-hmm. important. They it's true they're about sometimes unsexy things like mm-hmm. infrastructure and stormwater, but they absolutely affect you. So please get out there and vote on the 5th. I concur. Get out there, uh, vote on the 5th, and vote now. You can vote uh, now. You can vote now. Um, Courtney, thank you again for joining me. Thanks for having me. And thank you all for, for listening. This was Lawrence Talks, and I was your host, David Thomas. Thank you. <laughs>